Christ is risen. Oh, now come on. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. Amen. Amen. It's been a week since Easter, but Christ is still risen. Christ is still risen indeed, but what do we do with that now? We celebrate Easter every year, and even uh, there's a, I think it's a song that, that says that every uh, morning is Easter morning, right? And, and every Sunday is, uh, <laughs> is a, a celebration of the resurrection, right? That's why we gather on, on the weekends. We get together on Saturdays because we're lucky like that to worship God. But, but in that time of, of worship, every weekend we celebrate that Christ is risen. And every year we celebrate Easter that Christ is risen. But most of our lives are spent in between all of those times, right? Most of our lives are spent from the time we gather for worship on Saturday until the next time we gather for worship, or from one Easter to the next Easter. So, so what does it mean that Christ is risen for those places in our lives? In the midst of the broken world, we still need the hope of redemption and reconciliation, in the midst of death, we still need the promise of resurrection and new life. In the midst of our struggles in this world, we still need the promise of Christ's presence and our purpose. In our minds, we know that Christ is risen. And in our minds, we know that Christ is risen for every day, not just for Easter or not just for when we worship together but sometimes we simply have a hard time recognizing that he's with us in all of the in-between times. Maybe sometimes we are like uh, this cartoon. I know he was really special, but dead men don't come back. He's standing right behind me, isn't he? Right? Jesus is with us always. It's one of the reasons that the fact that he is risen is so important to us, that Jesus is with us always. I wonder if there's somewhere in your life today that you need to remember that Christ is risen is not just for one day, but for every day, for wherever it is that you are. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us today, that it would take hold of us and transform us. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture tonight, the story for us comes from uh, Luke's gospel, chapter 24. We're going to walk through this a little bit. Now, on that same day, that same day being the day of resurrection, this follows immediately after the resurrection story, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. So it's that same day. It's the day of the resurrection, and they uh, are walking home. They don't know what to do. They're, they're talking with each other about all these things that have happened. It, it, just a week before, they've experienced Jesus being welcomed into Jerusalem as a king returning 
from victory. They, they've been part of the crowd, part of the parade of Hosanna and save us and the, the emotional high of Jesus coming in and, and people believing that this is the Messiah, the one who's going to save us. And everyone had in their minds how he would do that. And that's exactly how he did not do it. So they started that week on that emotional high of, of what we call Palm Sunday, right? But then as the week goes on, things begin to unravel. And there's the, the Last Supper in which Jesus shares this meal with the disciples, uh, this Passover meal that they have shared together their whole lives and have experienced together and have for generations followed a very uh, strict accounting of the people being delivered from slavery in Egypt. We, we just talked about that with Moses. And yet in that meal that Jesus shares with them, with just a few words and a few gestures, he changes the whole thing for them. And then immediately after that is the betrayal and the desertion by his friends and his disciples. And then there is the arrest and the trial and the crucifixion. There's the death. There's the darkness and the waiting. Jesus has died. And then on this day that, that they are now traveling, Jesus is not in the tomb. And the angels have said that he is risen. What are they supposed to think? What are they supposed to do? Jesus, who has changed their lives as they have journeyed with him and was in the process of changing the world, has died. But now he's not in the grave. You can imagine their uh, physical state, right, and their emotional and spiritual state that, that they are, are sad for sure. They're grieving what they think is the loss of, of this man, Jesus, who has been their mentor and friend and, and guide. And so they're sad and they're confused and, and they're probably in a state of shock and uh, disbelief and they're overwhelmed perhaps by the events of the whole, the whole week as they try to put it together. And, and that's exactly what they're doing as they're trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense, as they talk through it, they're helping each other tell the narrative of what they experienced. This is, this is what we do, too, right? This is our, our story. When, when things happen in our world and in our lives, when what we had expected to happen doesn't happen, and when pieces of our lives get turned upside down or, or fall apart... Uh, and we have trouble making sense of that, we talk about these things too. In an effort to, to find some way for the broken pieces to fit into, into the story, into the narrative, we, we get a diagnosis that we weren't expecting. Our, our child is in trouble with the law or addicted to some form of, of substance, drug, or alcohol. Our marriage crumbles around us, a loved one dies, our company downsizes, our project fails, we experience financial difficulties, the dreams that we had for our own life are either set aside or completely broken, sometimes by our own choices, sometimes by circumstances beyond our control. 
Personally, these things happen to us and communally as well. When there's a scandal in the church or in the governments, when there is violence in our world, the mass shootings or the violence and the effects of racism and and hatred and the effects of poverty and, and hunger, when there are national disasters and when there are accidents that produce mass casualties, when, when our world just kind of flips itself over and we don't know what to do, when these things happen, we talk about them and tell them to try to make some sense. Some of you know uh, that my stepmother died on Sunday. I had asked for prayers for her. You've been praying for her for many years. She's been sick for many years. And I had told him when I left at spring break, I'd said to her and my dad, if you can get me to Easter, through Easter, then I can come back. And she did. She waited until Easter afternoon uh, and, and died peacefully at home. And even though, even though we have been anticipating that, it's still a little bit disorienting for all of us. And so this week, we've been talking about these things that have happened. We've been, t- been talking in particular about the last couple of weeks of her life. And, and my dad has relayed the story to me a couple of times about how their den in their home, which is where they have spent, most, spent a lot of their time, how within a matter of hours, two weeks ago, their den was transformed into a hospice room. And uh, medical equipment and a hospital bed and, and medicines and, and everything in that space rearranged for her. And for nine days, that's what it was. It, it was a hospice room. And, and then she died, and, and within a matter of hours, literally, it is transformed back into the den. And Dad said, I, I, I know it all happened, but it seems so surreal. And he said the intensity and the struggle for her that was so, so deep and, and so, such a struggle uh, with, it, with one last breath then is completely relieved. We, we've told that story several times this week in an effort to make sense of something that we were anticipating and yet still was a little disorienting. In our grief and our loss and our pain and our heartache and confusion and shock for any of us, whatever it is that creates that space in our world, in that disorientation, it can be hard for us to see beyond the immediate narrative, beyond the immediate story. But Jesus is present even when we don't recognize him. Maybe that resonates with you as well. And I want you to watch what happens. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, 
who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. There's part of the pain, right? We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped that there would be a cure. We had hoped that our marriage would find a way to be healed. We had hoped that our child would make better choices. We had hoped that our loved one would stay clean and sober. We had hoped that the storm, either literal or figurative in our life, that the storm would subside. We had hoped for a different outcome. We had hoped. And now what? Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Can you imagine Jesus' face as he shows up with, with these two disciples and as, as he's asking them questions and as they're, they're telling him what happened? Can you imagine his face? I, I Sometimes, and when I read this next piece, there's sometimes an element of um, perhaps Jesus being exasperated with them. I don't think he was at all. I, I think there was a... a a peaceful compassion on his face, a genuine interest in where they were and, and how they were processing, thing, uh, uh, processing things. I, I think he knows their pain. I think there's a kindness and a gentleness. And I think that because he shows up to be present first. He doesn't deny their pain. He doesn't take away uh, the facts of what happened. He doesn't diminish what they are feeling or, or say that they're being silly for talking about those things. He is just present first. And then, then he responds. And then he said to them, and I think in a very kind and gentle way, oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. So Jesus tells them all the things, and he places the story, their story, in the larger narrative. In many ways, he takes exactly what they've given to, to him, and he reframes it. He takes the frame off of what they have known, and reframes it in the larger narrative. He helps them see and begin to understand that, that they're part of something that is greater than themselves. He doesn't deny the loss. He doesn't deny their sadness, but he helps them understand. Whatever it is in our lives that creates heartache and makes us sad, that brings pain to us, is always part of a much larger story because we are part of a much larger story. 
Our stories, the stories of our lives, are not isolated from Scripture. From Scripture that is God's love story. God's story of love for us, for all of God's people. Our stories are found within that context. God's story of freedom and deliverance. We just spent six weeks with Moses talking about how the Israelites were free from the power of slavery and how we in Christ are free from the power of sin and death. We're no longer slaves to fear, no longer slaves to sin and death. Death has no power over us because Christ has been raised from the dead. That's part of the bigger story in which we find our own stories. Not only that, but the call of the prophets of the Old Testament, calling people back to God and calling people back to the covenant God makes with us. The covenant we experience as fulfilled in Christ, his birth, his life and ministry, his death and his resurrection. In the whole of Scripture, we find our story and God's presence with us. Wherever we are in our story, Jesus joins us. Wherever you are in your story, Jesus joins us in our pain and in our celebration, in our heartache and in our victories. Jesus joins us and offers his presence and reminds us of the promises of God and reminds us of our place in the midst of those promises. Now, Cleopas and his companions still at this point don't recognize him, but they will attest later in just a few verses, that their hearts were strangely warm. No, their hearts were burning, but which make, makes it seem to me that they were probably the first Methodists, right? Because their hearts were strangely warmed as Jesus was with them on the road to Emmaus, right? They, they knew something. Something was stirring in their hearts, even though they couldn't quite put the pieces together. Something was still not quite focused, I've been uh, messing with my, the camera on my phone this week, which um, frustrates me because I don't know exactly how, how to make it work the way I want it to, but sometimes it just doesn't focus right, and I don't always know that until I've taken the picture, and I realize it's out of focus, but this week it occurs to me that's really, when we're in the midst of loss and, and grief and, and sorrow for whatever reason in our lives, sometimes our, our lives and our stories just seem a little out of focus, in the context of the world around us. You know, when Daniel's mom died in August, for, for a few weeks, everything was just kind of fuzzy. I'm sure that you've experienced that in some ways. This week, uh, our hearts have been a little fuzzy, a, a little out of focus. It's not that we're not present. It's not that in our minds we don't know exactly what's happened and, and uh, understand intellectually what's happened, but our hearts are still a little fuzzy, and sometimes in those times, it's hard for us to see clearly that Jesus is with us, but there's a stirring in our hearts. There's a stirring in our hearts. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, 
blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. In the blink of an eye, their picture comes into focus. In the most ordinary of events, a meal at the end of this long day, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. These two would have known and perhaps experienced the stories of Jesus feeding the crowds. They would have known the story of the Passover meal. They've been with those disciples who were with Jesus. They would have known what had happened. They would have shared meals with Jesus along the way as they spent time with him. It only makes sense that in this breaking of the bread, their eyes would be opened. It was something familiar, something that would have resonated with them and created that sense of focus to be more clear. In this meal that Jesus shares with them, he links his presence with them to his presence now in them. He vanishes from their sight, but he has made his home in their hearts. He vanishes from them being able to see him with their eyes because now they can see with their hearts. Their circumstances really haven't changed, but their hearts have been changed. The path for them, the path ahead for them is still uncertain, but now they know in the core of their being that somehow it's all going to be okay. They're not alone. Jesus hasn't abandoned them, hasn't forgotten them, and they have a renewed vision and purpose for who they are and for where they are. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us, right? So often it's when we look back and we think, oh yeah, oh yeah, Jesus was there. Jesus was there. That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon, to Peter, Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. In the breaking of the bread. This communion, this communion that we will receive in just a moment, in which we receive the bread of life and the cup of salvation, in which we experience the real presence, not just a memory of, not just a hope for, But the real presence of the risen Christ creates for us both community and mission. Creates for us community and a renewed purpose. When we come to this table, we remember that we're not alone. Not only do we come as the body of Christ, but we come to receive Christ. God's promises are still true. We remember that when we come to communion, and God's purpose remains. For these disciples, their eyes were opened in the breaking of the bread. And tonight, I wonder where and how your eyes need to be opened. Where and how does your heart long to know the presence of the risen Christ? He'll meet you right here, because he's already right with you, wherever you are.
Where do your eyes need to be opened? Jesus is already with you. Even as we receive him once again here with us. Let us pray. Lord, help us in the midst of this broken world to see you. Not just with our eyes, but with our hearts especially. To know you and allow your presence to transform us, to renew us, to remind us of your promises, and to remind us that we have a purpose in this world. Give us courage to have our eyes opened to see you, that in our lives others might see you as well. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.